Thank you for listening to the First Christian Church Sunday Sermon Podcast. Here you will be able to listen to all of our Sunday morning sermons. Be sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you don't miss a sermon. Enjoy today's message. How do you deal with fear? How do you deal with fear? What is your process? What does that look like? And now, when I'm talking about fear, too, I'm not necessarily talking about, oh, that was scary. You know, a little mouse runs across the kitchen floor. Eek, that was scary. Or even, you know, I just, I just avoided a car wreck or something like that. Those things are scary. But what I'm asking today is how do we deal with fear? And some of you will know what I'm talking about when I say fear. I'm, I'm, when I talk about fear, I'm talking about that internalized, sort of all-encompassing, um, long-lasting anxiety and fear that kind of sits right here. Do you know what I'm talking about? You know, it kind of follows you around and it doesn't want to let you go. That kind of fear, deeply internalized worry and anxiety. You know, I, um, as, as, a, uh, as a young person, you know, I, I never really understood fear. It wasn't really until my adult years that I really think I began to understand what fear was. And I remember the very first time that I was truly afraid, not scared, but afraid. I remember this very well. You see, this was in uh, October of 2008. Who remembers October of 2008, what happened about that time? It was, it was, not a, it was a dark time. And here I was. At that time, I was about what? 25 years old. I had one child. I had another one on the way. And I was working kind of a, you know, a, a good job, but I was working in kind of a, a, a um, entry-ish level job in finance. And anybody who was working with the markets in 2008 knows what a dark time that was. It was really rough. And I remember going to work every single day for probably six months, not knowing if I was going to walk in one day and I were just going to send me home. I just, I wasn't really sure. And that was the first time I ever actually experienced fear. Just, I had no idea what was going to happen. I felt helpless. I felt like I had no control. I felt weak. It was very, very, it was a hard time. That's what I'm talking about today. And as I look around me right now, I see a lot of fear. I see a lot of fear. And you know what? We seem to have good reason to be afraid right now. We seem to have a lot of good reasons for it when we're worrying about things like food shortages. And when we're afraid for things like the, the teetering stability of the economy. You know, when we don't really know, we have no idea what's going to happen next week. There's wars going on around the world. It's just a very uncertain time and it can tend to breed in us a sense of fear. Well, today, today, I want us to look at the word and I want us to see how God wants us to handle fear. And here's the cool thing. As I was, as I was studying for this message, because I was like, okay, I've got this chance. I want to talk about this. You know, we're all really struggling right now. This is a crazy time of life. Let's see what God has to say. I want to encourage you by saying this. The Bible has more to say about dealing with fear than I can handle in one message. Way more. 
This is a topic that is addressed countless times throughout the scriptures. So what we're going to do today, and I would encourage you, if you don't have one, if you've got, uh, get a bulletin, because in the bulletin, the printout for today, you'll see I've got some of the normal fill-ins and stuff for the major points and whatnot. But when you walk out of here today, that piece of paper is basically going to be a quick reference chart for you when you feel afraid. We're going to look at some characteristics of God today, and we're going to look at some tangible scriptural references that when you are feeling afraid, you can go to, to be encouraged and to be lifted up because of not what we see going around us, but because of what God says of who we are and how we can think and react. So get that out and let's get ready to go. We are going to go through a lot of scripture today, guys. I mean a lot. We're going to go through a lot of scripture today because once again, as I was going through this, I realized, you know what? Let's just let the scripture speak for itself. Nobody tells us more about who God is than he do, better than he does. So that's what we're going to do today. Okay? All right. Let's get into it. When you're a young child, and, and maybe you remember this for yourself. Maybe uh, you think about this with your own kids. I put myself in this situation because I, rem- I have some vivid memories of being a very young kid. But when you're a young kid, like we're talking like three, four, five years old, what is the safest place in the world? With mommy and dad. Yeah, that's exactly right. To me, I think mom and dad's bed, right? Mom and dad's bed is the safest place in the world. If you get scared, you go and hop into mom and dad's bed, you pull those cover up, it's like force field. Like nothing can touch you when you're in that place. It is a place of complete comfort and security. I remember, I have a very vivid memory of watching, I didn't watch this whole movie, but of watching part of this movie as a kid. Now I'm probably... Maybe you've seen this. I've heard it's really good. I made it through a very short period of it when I was about five years old. And uh, I remember being, you know, just a little guy sitting on the couch watching this on Betamax. Little, some, some of you know what I'm talking about. Watching it on Betamax, right? And there comes a point in this film where they're setting up for the mystery. They're getting ready for the big plot reveal. And something happened like some ghost got loose or something and started like possessing all these different things around London. But the scene I remember like it was yesterday is there's this scene where this spirit thing possesses this lady wearing a mink coat. And all these minks on her coat go... And start popping up like this. And five-year-old me freaks out. Where did I go? Mom and dad's bed. I went to mom and dad's bed. Jump into those covers, pull those covers up. I'm safe. And I'll just, I'll never forget that because of the sense of security and safety that that gave me. It gave me a feeling that I didn't have to be afraid of this terrifying thing that I saw. Pretty cool. Psychology tells us that we have what is called a fight or flight response. A fight or flight response. So when we're confronted with a really terrifying or an alarming, I should use the word alarming situation. You know, we got some biological chemistry that kicks in, adrenaline, some other hormones and stuff like that. We kind of go into this super heightened state and we generally have one of two reactions to a situation. We fight or we run away. I want to share with you an example of a very strong fight instinct right here. Maybe you've seen this. It's been around for a while. Just a nice common, you know, little interview here and springs up, bam! Fight response, right? No, didn't even flinch, man. Didn't even take time to look. Just address the problem head on. I'd have gone the other way. You know, I'd have been, I'd have been the flight guy running in the other direction. But that's what we do, right? We, we react. 
We react. But what do we do when the problem is not so obvious? See, they say fight or flight. I'd like to add a third one. I'd like to add a third one to this list. I'd like to say fight, flight, or freak. Or freak out. You know, sometimes we, we freak out. Now, when I'm talking about freaking out, you know, freaking out is where worry lives. Freaking out is where anxiety lives. But here's the thing. Fight or flight exists in the realm where we can see the problem. Freaking out exists in the realm where we can't. We freak out when we can't see the problem. We can freak out when we get, you know, um, mixed messages over the news. You know, when we hear about things that are happening around the world, we have no control and we don't understand the whole situation or we can't influence it. That's where that internalized fear comes from, from the not knowing. So what we're going to start with now, now that we've talked about fear just a little bit, is we are going to go to the scriptures. So buckle your seatbelts. This is going to be a pretty wild ride because, like I said, we're going to kind of pull out and do sort of a bird's eye view of some of these things. But I want to start thinking in the context of fear of what is God's nature? We're going to go to the Old Testament for this one. What is God's nature? What does God say about who he is in relationship to how we deal with fear? So we're going to look at what God says about who he is. Now, to do this, we're going to be looking at a number of the Psalms because the Psalms are very, very indicative of God's character. And the very first thing that I want us to look at this morning is the idea of God as a shepherd. Now, another question for all you guys. Who in here, if anybody, has ever actually tended sheep? Has anybody ever tended sheep before? One, two, three. Okay, okay, so you guys know what it's like to look after oblivious, unintelligent animals, right? So I have another question. Who in here has ever had children or babysat children? Okay, you can relate to this too. Congratulations. (laughs) Children are a lot like sheep. Bunch of little critters skittering around on the floor, and you got to constantly keep them from hurting themselves or wandering off too far. A sheep. That's sheep right there. God oftentimes is seen as a shepherd. Let's look at what he says. We're going to go to Psalms 23, verse 4. This is a very well-known psalm, which is good. I want to draw your attention back to it for a minute. Let's read this together. It says, Even when I walk through the darkest valley, I will not be afraid, for you are close beside me. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. Now, I'll be honest with you all. We could preach a whole message on just this verse. There's a lot to unpack here. What I want to draw to your attention this morning is the very last sentence. Your rod and your staff protect and comfort me. You see, the protection, the the guidance of the shepherd is a source of comfort because we can have confidence in the intentions and the actions of the one doing the shepherding. God is a shepherd. God is our protection and he is our comfort. And that is part of his character. That is what he wants to be for us. It is part of who he is. Let's keep moving on because I also want to look at the concept of God as being a refuge. This is also another word we see occasionally pop up in the Old Testament. We don't use it a whole lot, which is really too bad because the idea of a refuge, it's a very descriptive word. A refuge is a place kind of like mom or dad's bed. You can go there. You're safe. You're protected. Let's see what the scriptures have to say. Psalm 46, verses 1 and 2. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. 
So we will not fear when earthquakes come and the mountains crumble into the sea because God is our refuge and our strength. Let's look at the next one here. Once again, still in the Psalm, Psalm 91, verse 4. I love this. I love word descriptions. I love descriptive things. This is that. He will cover you with his feathers. He will shelter you with his wings. His faithful promises are your armor and protection. Think for a moment, if you will. Picture in your mind's eye. I wish I'd have gotten a picture of this for up here, but use your mind's eye for just a moment. Think about little baby birds in a nest, high in a nest, high in a tree, helpless, completely open to the elements, and now bring into that nest a parent bird, a bigger bird, who lands in that nest. And as the parrot, as the bird lands in that nest, the clouds are gathering, there's lightning in the distance, the rain begins to fall, and this bird stretches out its wing over the top of the little baby birds. And what happens? The parent bird absorbs all the rain, the wind, all the negative stuff. He, the parent bird takes it, and those little baby birds are safe. That is the image that we get of God in this, in this scripture right here. God stretches over us to provide protection like our, and to be like our armor. That's part of his character. That's what he wants to be for us. And that's a beautiful, beautiful thing. Let's keep looking on too, because God is both our shepherd. God is our refuge. He's a place that we can go. But see, God is also active. God is also active. Thank you, David, for mentioning battle belongs. I'm going to mention it too, because when I fight, I fight on my knees. The battle belongs to the Lord. God is active. God is a conqueror. And that's what I want us to see next. See, God is a shepherd. God is a place of refuge, but God also is active and fighting for us. I want to look at two examples this morning. Both of these are also from the Old Testament. There are others. We're going to look at two. If we go to the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 3, verse 22, this is the Lord speaking to... um, not Josiah. That's what I get for going off notes, guys. It's <laughs> boy. Now I feel now I feel really really silly. Don't you love that? See, this is everybody's public speaking nightmare to get up in front of a group of people and then draw a complete blank. Joshua, thank you. This is God talking to Joshua before the people of Israel are about to move into the promised land, okay? And he says this to Joshua. He says, do not be afraid of the nations there, for the Lord your God will fight for you. And then if we go over to the book of Isaiah, chapter 35, verse 4. This is again God talking to Isaiah about his chosen people. And he says this, say to those with fearful hearts, be strong and do not fear. For your God is coming to destroy your enemies. He is coming to save you. You see, when God gives his people a mission, when God gives his people a task, when he gives you something to accomplish or do, guess what? He's not going to leave you to it alone. He is going to fight for you and be with you. That is a part of his character. We see that modeled in the Old Testament. So all of this is fantastic, right? God's a shepherd. He's a refuge. Oh, man, that's just great. God fights for us. That's so cool. It gets even better. Let's fast forward to the New Testament. This is where I like to talk about, you know, God's presence becoming reality. It is the New Testament where Christ comes to earth in the flesh. 
You know, he came and dwelled among us in the flesh. And because of what Jesus brought, we can now have direct relationship with God. So I like to start when we talk about fear because Jesus uses the word peace a lot. He talks a lot about having peace. He wants his people to have peace. I like to think Jesus was the bringer of peace. But don't take my word for it. Let's see what he says. Let's go on over to John chapter 14, verse 27. He's talking to his disciples. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Jesus wants us to have peace. A little later on in this same talk with the disciples, this is Jesus sort of admonishing them before he goes to the cross. He says this, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. Now, Jesus doesn't sugarcoat things for us. Jesus does not sugarcoat things. Jesus does not say, I will give you peace and everything will be roses, rainbows, and butterflies. Always. Always. No, 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 no. You will have trials and sorrows. You will experience loss. You will cry. You will be uncertain. Things are going to happen, but I'm in control. I am in control control. That is what he tells us right there. I want us now to look over at the book of Philippians chapter 4. We're going to read two verses, 6 and 7. These are the writings of Paul, and I want us to hear this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. I love this. This is basically the (laughs) how-to. The how-to experience peace right here. Don't worry. Pray. Tell God what you need. Thank him. And you will experience peace. I love, personally, if we look at this line, which exceeds anything we can understand, I love the old King James translation of this verse. It describes this as the peace that passes understanding. It is a peace that is incomprehensible to human logic. It doesn't make any sense how we could have peace despite some of the things that we deal with. But Jesus promises that we will have peace in those storms. Absolutely amazing. So Jesus is the bringer and the provider of peace. Another thing I'd like to mention this morning is Jesus' constancy. Constancy is another kind of oldish word. I like oldish words. I think they're really descriptive. Constancy, consistency, ever-presence. Jesus is always there. He's always present. Let's look really quickly at Matthew chapter 28, verse 20. Now, what did we say in the Old Testament? Let's go back to the Old Testament for a second. What does God do when he gives his people a task? What does God do when he gives his people a task? He fights for them. He is active and he is working. This comes right after Jesus gives his disciples a task. And he says this, Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you and be sure of this. I am with you always to the very end. End of the age. 
He is always there. He never leaves us. If we love him, we are always connected to him. He promises to always be there. And this ties directly into the next thing that I want us to look at, which is this. Another big cool word, indwelling. The indwelling of the Holy Spirit. For those of us that have accepted Jesus, for those of us that have come to believe in his truth and have come to know him, we have the Holy Spirit living inside of us. A beautiful, unique thing which connects us directly to God. Let's look again at the words of Jesus where he talks about the coming of the Holy Spirit. John chapter 14, starting at verse 16. Jesus says, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. Talk more about that word in a sec. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now we could get into some really cool like Trinity theology stuff right here. But what I want us to look at is this word advocate. I want us to look at the word advocate. Now, you might be familiar with this other word. I'm going to tell you the Greek word that is used here. It's called paraclete. The word here is paraclete. And sometimes in English, we don't really have an accurate word to encompass. You know, some of these Greek words are incredibly descriptive. The word here for advocate also means counselor, encourager, comforter. It's a, it's a much more encompassing type word, and that is the spirit that God has given to live in each one of us. That is the spirit that we all have access to, that connects us 24 hours a day, seven days a week, all the time, directly to God, and allows us to have that relationship with him. Amazing, amazing stuff. So, let's take a deep breath, because we just like, Blitzed through all that stuff, right? Saw all this cool stuff about God. Shepherd, refuge, conqueror. Jesus brings peace. He's always with us and we have the spirit. Amazing. But let's put some rubber on the road for a second. Let's, let's get practical for just a minute here. The, the question has to come up. How do we take, how do we do it? How do we take refuge in God? How do we experience God's peace? Like practically, right? How do we do that? I mean, well, obviously, the, the very first step is to, is to come to know Jesus. You have to come to Jesus. You have to accept Christ for these things to manifest themselves in you because he is the key. But also, let's face it, even those of us who know Jesus, we can be guilty of holding on to fear, right? I do it all the time. It's hard not to. There's a lot of unknowns out there. So how exactly do we do this? As we start to wrap up today, let's kind of bring all this stuff back together. I'm going to summarize in this statement. Once again, you got the lines in the bulletin, so check this out. Life is going to be hard. But he has promised us heaven, and we cannot be separated from him. Therefore, we can have absolute confidence in any situation. How do we know that life is going to be hard? Well, we looked at that briefly. Jesus doesn't bother to sugarcoat this for us. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, in the Sermon on the Mount, he says this of God. He says, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good. He sends rain on the just and the unjust alike. We all share the experience of living in a broken world. 
There is going to be good. There's going to be hard. We all share in that experience. Okay, life is going to be hard. But he has promised us heaven. John chapter 5 verse 24. I tell you the truth. Those who listen to my message and believe in God who sent me have eternal life. They will never be condemned for their sins, but they have already passed from death into life. That is a promise we can be confident of. And remember how I said, you know, oftentimes the the fears that cause us the great worry, those are the fears we can't see. How does that change when we know the outcome? Think about that. Next thing, we can never be separated. Romans, words of Paul, Chapter 8, verse 39. No power in the sky, above or in the earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is inseparable. We are inseparable for those of us that love him. And this is like, this part right here is what I feel I've been leading the whole morning to tell you because this is what I want, I want you to know. Hebrews 13, 6. So we can say with confidence, the Lord is my helper, so I will have no fear. And get this, what can mere people do to me? What can mere people do to me? This world has no power for those of us, excuse me, those of us who know our destination. You cannot knock us off the road to eternity with Jesus. It is not possible. We cannot be separated from him. I could lose everything I own. I could experience loss. I could suffer. But in the end, I will have victory with Jesus forever. You see, we are never alone. I want to close with a story. A few weeks ago, we had a really fun time because Rebecca Isel invited me and the family to come to little Maddie's fifth birthday party. And we had a great time. We went and uh, we played games. We didn't go to her house. Oh, I forget the name of the place we went to. It was like a fun center, right? And uh, we went there and my seven-year-old, my seven-year-old Elijah, sweet guy, but he has kind of some social anxiety. You know, when he gets around a big group of people, he kind of, he can literally start to feel physically sick, okay? And, and we know this. I, I've seen this happen before. So we get to the party. Everybody's in the party room. They're starting to have cake and eat pizza and have a good time. Elijah comes over and tugs on my shirt. And he says, hey, Dad, what, buddy? He says, I don't feel so good. All right, all right. So I take him to the bathroom. And we go into the bathroom for a few minutes. And, and he's kind of starting to feel better. But at one point, he looks up at me and he goes, hey, Dad, I think I'd feel better if he just took me home. I think I'd feel better if I could just go home. And I thought about that for a second. And what I thought is, well, if I, if I do that, though, you know, I've got to take the other guys home. The, the party will get cut short, all this sort of stuff. And, then, and so I kneeled down to Elijah. And I looked him dead in the eye and I said, son, I said, I can't take you home right now. But I promise to hold your hand the rest of the time that we're here. And I will not leave you. And it hit me in that moment. That's what God does for us. It might not be time to go home. There might be hard things on the road. There might still be things to endure. But he promises never to leave our side. 
Isaiah chapter 41, verse 13, God is speaking and he says, For I hold you by your right hand, I, the Lord your God, and I say to you, don't be afraid. I am here to help you. There's a lot of uncertainty out there, guys. We don't know what's coming around the corner, but we can be completely confident because we have a God who will never leave us. God will be right beside you. And when it is time, he will lead you home. Let's go ahead and pray together. Lord, thank you so much for the promises that you have made. Thank you so much just for being who you are. Because we understand, we can see through the scriptures your character. And we know your desire to protect us. We know your desire to help us. We know your desire to have relationship with us, God. Lord, it's my prayer today that if there is anything in this room between any of us that's standing in the way between between us and you, God, I just pray that you would break those walls down. Perhaps we've never accepted you. Perhaps for those of us that know you, God, there's just something in the way that's keeping us from drawing close. And God, we, we know you want us to have the peace that only you can provide. So God, break down those walls. Bring us close to you. Heal our hearts. And may we just always know that we can be completely confident because you are so very good. It is in Christ's name I pray.